Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 431 of the Battery Power Podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, and this is an all-timer. I'm joined by Scott Coleman for the second time this evening. Hello, Scott. Hello, Brad. Long time no talk. It has been quite literally about 20 minutes since I last talked to you. Yeah, so I know that we have listeners that are not on Twitter slash X, and I explained a little bit of this online, but you probably see in your podcast player of choice. I am not deleting that podcast from your podcast player of choice, but Scott and I did about an hour of talk, and about the first half of the podcast was about Alex Antopoulos addressing the media on Sunday, talking about all manner of things. Um, we were reacting in real time to that within a few hours. We talked about the rotation a little bit. We talked about left field a little bit on that podcast. Um, and just to take you behind the scenes a little bit, um, I have to, of course, edit the podcast when it's done recording. Then I have to upload it to our hosting service, all that stuff. I pressed the upload slash publish button. And I'm not kidding anyone when I say this. Two minutes later, exactly two minutes later, because I checked the timestamp, Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic broke the news that the Braves made a rather interesting and rather complex and rather nuanced, but also important transaction that essentially <laughs> made, I don't know, two thirds of the podcast we recorded earlier irrelevant. Uh, thoughts, Scott? I don't, I'm not, you know, let's just say this podcast we're about to record is a lot less prepped than the previous podcast. That is right. We are going by the seat of our pants a little bit. Um, the deal has been officially announced, and I guess we should announce the deal off the top here, Brad. Oh, uh, Lord. yes, we should. It is. Let me put on my Brad Roland pants for two seconds. Uh, <laughs> so if, uh, as a recap, the Atlanta Braves deep into Sunday night as the winter meetings have officially begun. And please go listen to the hour-long podcast that Brad and I recorded. Or you at least can download, it. Through... download it. Download it, please. Yeah, please download it. Uh, you can blow through the, the 15, 20 minutes we, we mentioned on left field and all of that. But uh, anywho, uh, Jared Kelnick is the big piece coming to the Braves. A once upon a time, a mega prospect top. I believe he was the sixth overall pick uh, by the New York Mets, who then traded him to the Mariners. I believe in the Edwin Diaz deal. Marco Gonzalez, who's a veteran lefty, who is uh, nothing special, but uh, and nonetheless, and then Evan White is the third piece coming from Seattle to Atlanta. White uh, has a very interesting profile, which we're going to talk about, but not really a major leaguer, although he is owed some money. And going to the Mariners is Cole Phillips, who was the second round pick of the Braves in 2022. And then Jackson Cower, Cower who was uh, a Brave for about five minutes. He was acquired in the Kyle Wright trade of two weeks ago. So there it is, a five-player deal. But really, this is a the Braves going after Jared Kelnick and believing that they can unlock his immense upside and ceiling. Yeah, so a lot to get to here, but that is the takeaway. The big headliner is Kelnick, no question about that. But this is one of those deals that's like hard to consume unless you really get into the weeds. So we're going to have to do that a little bit, essentially. And this is what um, this is not just our frame. This has been kind of the reported and I think leaked framing nationally. Even you know our our your your friend and mutual enemy uh, Jeff Paston said this. This is essentially a salary dump by the Mariners to the Braves. And the Braves are taking on a considerable chunk of money with the prize being Jared Kelnick. Um, that's the that's the short version of what is transpiring here. Um, the Braves are taking on 
$19 million in salary for 2024, plus some money for 2025. And now Atlanta did announce in the official announcement of the, of the transaction that the Braves are receiving some cash considerations from Seattle. We don't know, and we may, we may never know what that actually is, but Seattle is sending some money. So we, we don't know how much, but that doesn't matter to me and you because we don't care about that. Um, but it's just something to throw in there. It's not our money. But that's why this deal is happening. For Yes, the Braves are trading a, a real prospect in Cole Phillips, a guy who is highly regarded, but not a not an uber prospect. And they're getting someone in Jared Kelnick, who was once a literally top five to ten prospect in all of baseball. His star has certainly fallen since then, but was a major league caliber starting player this last year. And I think you kind of have to assume that Jared Kelnick is the front runner for left field on opening day based on this transaction, because the reason to do this deal, like, you know, Marco, Marco Gonzalez might help the Braves as we'll talk about in a second. The reason to do this transaction is because the Braves clearly believe that Jared Kelnick is something. We don't know what that is, but a former super talented prospect player who showed some signs this year and uh, you don't make this transaction if you don't believe on some level in Jared Kelnick. Yeah, that, that's well said. And, you know, Kelnick is, he has immense upside. You mentioned once once upon a time, one of the best prospects in the game, a top pick, very toolsy, has big time power, big time arm. Um, just looking at, at fan graphs, I mean, raw power he was a 60 grade on the 60 to 80 scale. 80 is, for anyone not familiar, 80 is like the elite of the elite. The Ronald Acuna Jr. speed is an 80, right? Um, Kelnick was a 60-60 raw power. Uh, game power was 50-60, a high hit tool as well. He, he's a pretty good base runner in the 66th percentile of sprint speed and an average defender overall. So clearly, I mean, this is a fascinating trade, Brad. The Braves are more or less just buying Jared Kelnick from the Mariners who are trying to shed some money, whether they, I mean, who knows what Seattle's uh, all, you know, other motives are, whether they want to try to add a big name player or if, if they just want to shed some money and cut payroll. Uh, but for, you mentioned about $20 million next year for Atlanta, you know, you are really trying to buy, I don't even know if buy low, but kind of the old post-hype sleeper with Kelnick. Yeah. Uh, he has legitimate star potential. It's just that through a couple of years in the majors, he just has not put everything together. Um, it's it's funny, Brad, something that you and I talked about on the podcast, um, you know, an hour ago <laughs> was how this team's lineup, how the Braves lineup is constructed currently that they did not need to go out and necessarily add a superstar or high impact left fielder because of how good the rest of the lineup is. And in some ways, adding someone like Kelnick is kind of the perfect storm of adding a high, high, high impact talent and someone who, or high ceiling talent. But there is a fair amount of risk. He strikes out a lot. He has some, some uh, batted ball issues. So it really is a fascinating deal to me. And, um, you know, it's probably a good thing that you and I had a few minutes to gather our thoughts before we went, uh, you know, live or whatever it may be on this podcast, because there are many, many layers to this deal. Yeah, I tried to make some notes here and you did a good job setting the table on Kelnick. He's 24 years old. Um, a big consideration, I would imagine, is that he is not a free agent until 2029. He's still pre-arb right now. He's making 
almost nothing at this very moment, which is part of the calculus here when you have some upside, like you said. Um, we won't do the, the long version, but the short version on Kelly is that he had a terrible start when he arrived in the big leagues. He was really bad to the point where it was like concerningly bad for a couple of years. And this year he was essentially a starting quality outfielder, not a great outfielder, but a starting quality outfielder. Like Fangraphs had him at 1.3 Fangraphs war in 105 games this year. Um, he was a little bit higher in baseball reference war, about two war this year. He had a 108 WRC plus he has a power speed combination defensively he seems to be fine i won't act like i'm an expert there but he's played some center in his, in his career so far so that's usually a good sign but like as you mentioned high strikeout guy he has a bit of a, a bit of a, pl- a platoon split for his career not so much this year his numbers were also better on the road and seattle is not exactly a hitter's ballpark so maybe atlanta part of part of why they're doing that is to buy low on that um as you dropped in thank you for doing that um anthopolis just spoke to the media because again this is all happening at the winter meetings which we kind of um i know i predicted on the last episode that the Braves wouldn't do anything ha 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 scott um but anthopolis one of the benefits of him being there with all the reporters that he's already talked to the reporters like within five minutes and again always a grain of salt with alex as i mentioned on the last podcast and so did you but the braves um according to alex feel that they are kind of done in left field now with kelnick and von grissom who he named in this press conference being the options and I would I am editorializing now this is not Alex I I think you you do not do this trade unless you think Jared Kelnick is your starting left fielder I I don't see a reason why you would do it unless you believe but that gives him some cover I mean Vaughn is obviously a talented guy and there's some cover there but uh that's the Kelnick portion I mean I'm not going to make a grand pronouncement on what he will be but I think the fact that he, he at least showed this year in again 100 105 game sample size that he is a major league quality hitter because before that he had, he was kind of getting like a a bit of a quad uh, quad a reputation where he was raking in the minors and not in the majors, but he did hit in about two thirds of a season. And I think that that's enough to kind of get excited, but also I would always stress and until a guy has done it for a large sample, you don't want to just assume that Jared Kelnick is going to be a star. Like you you don't want to do that. Um, I I think that it's probably safe ish to look at, what he did this last year as a decent projection for next year. That's usually the best projection is what you've already done um, and done most recently. But, um, and that would be a fine addition. Um, Obviously I think the Braves would hope for more than that. Um, But uh, TBD is what I'll say. Yeah. And I, I think if you're the Braves, it's easy to be tantalized by all the tools that Kelnick has. And you think about getting him into the hitting lab with Kevin Seitzer and the Braves' coaches, and the analytics department, clearly they see something they really like here to take on that much salary. I mean, it really was a salary dump, which is interesting considering the Mariners are a good team and the Braves are a good team, right? Usually it's one good team, one bad team. When we see deals like this, one team's trying to cut payroll, they're trying to rebuild, whatever it may be. And instead, you have two very much contending teams here who make this kind of a deal. Um, I do think that, you know, Kelnick coming to Atlanta, I, I agree entirely. He is going to be the left fielder on opening day. I, I just don't see any world where that isn't the case. And if you're the Braves, you're betting on his talent and what he can be. He hits the ball hard. If you go and look at his profile on Baseball Savant, things like his average exit velocity, his hard hit rate, his sweet spot rate, his barrel rate, 
are all above average across the board. It's just clearly a guy who can do some special things when he's in the batter's box. We we talked about him being a uh, probably a serviceable, maybe above average defensively in left field. He does have a big time arm, which will be a real weapon out there. And then a pretty good base runner and athlete as well. It just feels like the more I kind of talk myself into it, I guess, I really like just, it's almost like a lottery ticket. Yeah. And it's a lottery ticket if you're already a really rich person. And <laughs> maybe maybe you hit the lottery again and you become even richer. And I mean, the narratives of Jared Kelnick becoming a superstar with Atlanta after the Mets gave up on him would be an all-timer. Um, yes. And, and you know what, too? I'm looking at the downside here. Yes, you took on salary. It presumably, I don't think... Um, I don't think the Braves will be involved now with a free agent starting pitcher. I I could see a trade for someone who isn't making as much money. But, you know, the downside here is, yeah, you eat some money for the next year or two, but it's not your money. It's not my money. And if Kelnick just never comes together after a year or two, maybe maybe two, maybe three, you move on. And you, you have not mortgaged half of your farm system in order to bring this guy in. Right. This is the kind of move that I really like as far as the theory, because the Braves are not, you know, the Dodgers or the Yankees in spending, but they're spending more money and they should. Um, we've talked about how they print money in the last couple of years. And that's definitely the case. But this is a this is a, this is the kind of move that a team can leverage their finances to make because you're spending money. Yes. But in the short term and with the upside that could return it, you know, tenfold if it all works out. And again, that's an if, but the team control aspect of Kelnick, and again, not being a free agent until 2029, even if he is just a league average left fielder, you're getting a really valuable player making very little money, if that makes sense. And obviously there's clearly upside beyond that. We'll talk about um, the other guys in a second, but obviously Kelnick's the big piece. We're talking about him more, but one theory also could be that like, you know, you're paying Marco Gonzalez $12 million and he's not worth $12 million probably on the open market right now. But if you factor in that Kelnick is worth a lot more than the $1 million that he is making and Evan White might be just a cross off. But um, if you kind of just package the money together, um, no one should care about the wallet, the wallets and the only, I mean, yes, Cole Phillips is a real prospect, but I don't think he's going to burn you too bad. I could be wrong about that. But I think the big thing is that you're you're taking on money, and I guess it could impact other moves they make this year. But aside from that, the cost of quote unquote just money for a player and who is still I would he's not t- technically a prospect anymore, but he's 24 years old. Like he's a very young, talented guy. I think that's very clearly a, a move that fans are designed to like. It doesn't mean it's going to work. Kellett may may flame out and whatever, but like you just framed it, and I think it's a great point. The downside risk here is very minimal. I mean, if he's terrible this year for three months, you might have to pull him and make another plan in left field in the short term. But like you didn't you didn't give up Waldrip. You know what I mean? They they didn't make a big investment of even Grissom. Like they didn't trade any of their top five to six seven trade assets in this deal. They didn't trade Waldrop. They didn't trade Smith Schauber. They didn't trade Grissom. And they got a guy who they probably believe is a decent potential to be a long-term starter core-ish kind of piece for them as a possible outcome. I'm not saying it's going to yeah. happen, but that's a possible outcome. Yeah. I mean, if, if the cost is only money, 
you, you kind of have to like the deal. I mean, it, again, there is a little bit of downside in the short term because you didn't make another move, but long term, like if it, if it doesn't work, you're only out some money for a year and a half. Uh, that's not really a, a huge downside compared to what a lot of these deals kind of look like. Yeah. And if, I mean, perfect, you know, perfect scenario, Jared Kelnick, another just tremendous core piece of this organization. And if it doesn't work out on the on-field side, we talked about the money aspect, but on the field, I mean, if if they give him a chance to play pretty much every day in left field and he's just really bad, right? We're, it's, it's the all-star game and Kelnick just isn't hitting. He's striking out too much, whatever it might be. We, there may not be an organization in baseball who knows better that you can address the <laughs> outfield at the trade deadline if you need to. Right? It kind of, it kind of infamously happened once before, and they won the World Series. So. It worked out pretty well. It right? did Jock happen. Peterson, uh, Jorge Soler, Adam Duvall, Eddie Rosario. It, it worked out pretty well. Oh, oh. By the way, speaking of that, I, I just reminded me of a point I wanted to make that I didn't write down. Um, Kelnick being a left-handed bat with a career platoon split towards hitting right-handed pitching is a small-ish thing, but also a relevant thing because the Braves, one of the, one of the strengths with Eddie Rosario was that he gave them lineup balance. The Braves are pretty right-handed in some spots and having a left, a left-handed bat in left field. If you were all things equal, you would have preferred a left-handed bat there for me anyway. Um, yep. And that, yeah, that is something that Kelnick is. So uh, I don't know if Alex was actually used the word, but I'm looking through a lot of the tweets from the beat guys right now. Somebody mentioned platoon. I don't know if Alex mentioned the word platoon with regard to Kelnick and Grissom, but uh you know, competition perhaps, but Kelnick being a left-handed bat is uh, relevant to me on some level, considering the lineup that the rest of the guys race have. Yeah, definitely. And we know how Truist Park plays. You can hit the ball to right field into the chop house. It plays much friendlier, like statistically. It's not even anecdotally. Statistically, right field is much more hitter friendly at Truist than left is. So you assume he can tap into some of that power in a more hitter friendly environment um, yeah, I'm all for it. And you start thinking about roster construction. I mean, where's Kelnick going to hit to begin the year? Seventh, eighth, right? I mean, you're you're oh, not. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. You're you're not acquiring him to bat cleanup by any means. I mean, I think in some ways, for a player who was very high profile, being with the Mets and being a mega prospect, and then being the centerpiece of a trade for Edwin Diaz and being the you know the the hot new piece in seattle as he came up you know he is he's not going to be the hot piece in atlanta right like we we know how much talent is in this this lineup so you're telling me that you can try to develop him even more and the eighth spot in the lineup most nights Uh, i'm all for it yeah it's a good framing it is a just a good reminder that you know no matter where you want to rank arcia versus kelnick the the braves two worst players on paper in their lineup are uh are pretty good options for worst two players in the lineup, basically. Um, Scott, do you have anything else to add on Kelnick for now? Well, we'll have lots of time to talk about him in the future, but, and again, he is clearly the headliner here, but there are other things to discuss that we have to get through. So uh, anything else you want to add there before we move on to Marco Gonzalez? I'm always curious to see how the other side reacts to yeah. a deal. Uh, Seattle Mariner fans are not happy with this deal. It, <laughs> it is what I'll say. It would appear that's the guy. I've been trying to monitor now, that too, along with the big guys. Yeah. yeah. Now, if they go out and trade for Juan Soto, who makes $30 million next season, and they're using the savings, like obviously the narrative changes, but 
as of 45 minutes after this all went down, the the Seattle contingent is not thrilled with with giving up in Kelnick on you know effectively a salary dump. Yeah, uh, it, I, I would not look. Uh, we don't have to spend a lot of time on the Mariners, but I this is exactly the deal. We just talked about how how good it is for the Braves to just kind of use their capital financially to make this kind of transaction. The reverse of that is true if you're a Mariners fan. This is the kind of deal that you have you absolutely have to hate if you are a fan of the other team. Even if it doesn't burn you, the only benefit here, unless you are just absolutely head over heels in love with Cole Phillips, the the, the only benefit for the Mariners is cost savings. And fans shouldn't care about cost savings. The only way this is a, a, something you can sell to a Mariners fan is if they turn around and sign Otani or Yamamoto. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 the sell. If they don't do that, I, I you know, we'll leave it alone for now. But yeah, it'd be frustrating on the other side, for sure. Um, okay, so that's we just framed the deal. We talked about Kelnick as clearly the centerpiece of what the Braves wanted and the biggest reason why they did this deal. Now the rest. Um, Marco Gonzalez is a recognizable name if you've been following baseball for a long time. He's been a veteran starter. He's about to be thirty-two years old. Um, not a high upside guy by any means. Made ten starts this last year. Had some arm issues. Um, actually shut down this year with a nerve issue back in August. But Alex just said, and the reporting was also this way before, but Alex just said uh, to the media corps in Nashville that um, he's expected to be ready for spring training. For spring training. Uh, he's been a capable starter in the past. He was actually quite good for a three-year period from 2018 to 2020. Um, not a fancy pitcher at any point. Always been a low strikeout guy. Doesn't really walk a lot of guys. He is guaranteed $12 million. So I think that it, stands to reason if, if if only just for that that he's going to get a good long look in spring if he is healthy and if he's the guy that he has been in the past he's a fifth starter type at this point maybe a little bit better than that and you know three or four years ago um we talked about this on the now uh hilarious episode that we did a couple hours ago but um the Braves are looking for depth they we would have probably preferred someone better than Marco Gonzalez but He's the kind of guy that you could have signed for cheaper than this, but he part of that's part of the payment for taking on Kelnick, basically. Um, and look, he, he's a guy who's a major league starter when he's healthy. I don't know if he's going to be or not, but Alex seemed to be up, upbeat about him and not sexy man at all. Like his his, it's not an exciting profile. Nor I've, I've seen I've seen the man pitch. He's not exactly an exciting pitcher. But you know, if you told me he's maybe a half step above the you know dodd vines level i wouldn't be shocked by that at all i think if he is if he's the fifth sixth seventh starter for you coming out of spring that is not um it's not useless he's not worth 12 million but just think of it this way think about his money going to count <laughs> you know what i mean it's like you're, mm-hmm. you're paying 12 million dollars for gonzalez but he's not worth that and i will be the first to say that but honestly if they had given marco gonzalez five million dollars if he was a free agent it would have been like a defensible move yeah. Um, yeah. I, man, I would hope, and I got a, a bunch of questions about this. I would hope that Marco Gonzalez does not completely shut the door on them adding a starting pitcher. I, I agree with that, but I, I don't, I don't know. I don't, I, I, we don't know right now. We yeah. don't know. And Alex wouldn't say either way. He did kind of definitively say that they're kind of done in left field and we'll see what that actually means. And yeah. as we noted earlier on the episode um, previous, I kind of don't believe anything Alex says. <laughs> not not um, in a, not in a mean way. That, that that's it, it's his job to be that yes. way. Um, but I don't I don't think it would matter what he said. 
about on the record. Uh, you're just kind of reading between the lines on this one, but I, I agree with you full circle. Like I, I, I hope that they are not done. I, I fear they may be though. Um, yeah. I, I hope not. It, you, I mean, you mentioned it gives them another option. Gonzalez is, I mean, man, you talk about a boring pitcher. He, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm looking at his career numbers. So keep in mind, he was better a few years ago than what his career numbers are, but a 17% strikeout rate, which is minuscule in today's game. Yeah. Um, if you want to look at strikeouts per nine, it's, it's like it hovers around five or six, which is really low. On the flip side, he does not walk a ton of hitters historically. Just very, very boring. He is low velo kind of the, guy, like sits sits in the high eighties most of the time. Yeah, like he's just there not, is no yeah. there is no untapped potential in Marco Gonzalez. Let's say yeah. it like that. Um, but if you're telling me that he's maybe going to be a, a fifth or sixth starter type, you know, maybe because he just he's coming off the surgery, maybe he could be a long man in the bullpen too. I mean, he'd be a very well-paid long man, but you owe him the money no matter what kind of role he has. Maybe he's in the Josh Tomlin role where he pitches like once a week in the bullpen in a blowout win or blowout loss, and you just have him eat innings that way. I think that's a possibility. Um, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, again, he's you mentioned he's owed $12 million, so I would be very surprised if if we get the, the announcement that he's just been released or whatever. I, I really don't think that's it. Uh, clearly, the, the piece, as we have said a few times now, was Kelnick, and they ate quite a bit of salary in order to get him. Um, I guess if you're if you're looking on the flip side of the will or will they not make another move, you know, by eating all the salary, they really gave up minimal prospect cost, right? Yeah. Cole Phillips is a second round pick. He maybe, in, I mean, get back to me in five years. Maybe he's great. Maybe he's a reliever. Maybe he never gets past AAA. No, the, uh, they, the Mariners don't do this trade. Like they they might love Cole Phillips. That's that's possible. But Jackson Kowar, we talked about it that when they, when they did the Kyle Wright deal, he that he would probably never pitch for the Braves. So that's gonna never happen. Um, the Mariners do not do this transact this transaction without being able to get off of Gonzalez and White. That's just what this deal is. Um, but yeah, it's funny to me, Scott. I keep going back to this framing. I feel like in previous years we talked about this. Whether it was uh, I'm gonna use the name of course of Jake Odorizzi, um back in the day. Um, Kevin Gosman before he became Kevin Gosman uh, was like Smiley. This, was like this. Too. Drew Smiley is, of course, a famous example of this. Um, yeah. Marco Gonzalez is of a similar ilk to those guys, um, and I'm not going to tell you he's better or he's probably worse, honestly, than at least than what Smiley was given them for the most part. But he's kind of the prototypical if he's healthy, depth, eat some innings have a veteran around because, you know, we talked about it all in the previous episode, but all of their depth options are young guys, which makes sense like for depth options. Like, but even, you know, Bryce Elder is not a established veteran. He had a good first half of the season this year, but he's, he's much closer in age to all the young guys than he is to a veteran established guy. And now they have an old head in the room and it's going to take an injury or it's going to take him just being awful in spring for him to get cut. At this number, I think I could be wrong about that, but um, that's my suspicion. And I think that it should not stun anyone if he is the, is the if he's the fifth starter on opening day, like yeah, opening week. It's fair, just because you know. And th- by the way, the uh, Ronaldo Lopez um, comments about him being a starter kind of look funnier now. I would say, yeah. 
Yeah, probably uh, not. And I, I, we, we were always skeptical, skeptical of that on some level, but uh, I, I don't think there's probably room for Lopez and Gonzalez to start on a regular basis when you throw, when you also throw in all the other guys like elder and Smith Shaver, et cetera. Yeah. Yeah. I will say looking at Marco Gonzalez, you know, last year he was not good. He had the surgery in August and probably the worst full season of his major league career, which has dated back to 2014 was his debut. So and he, he was not, he was not healthy, but I read some stuff quickly. He was seemingly not healthy all year yeah. last year. Sounds like he had some some nerve problems with both his wrist and his index finger where he like wasn't he didn't have full feeling in his index finger. So you can imagine trying to throw a baseball and and not being able to feel your finger. That's probably not good. It would probably explain why he was struggling. Uh, You know, with that said, though, going back to the five years before that, Marco Gonzalez is not a terrible pitcher by any means. This will not be throwing him to the wolves historically he has always outperformed his his advanced metrics if you will so going back to 2018 these are his eras 2018 it was four 2019 3.99 the shortened 2020 year 3.10 2021 3.96 2022 4.13 so if he's anywhere close to that, now that he has feeling in his wrist and finger again, that that's serviceable. Like that'll play all day as the fifth starter. Um, it's just, you just don't know when a guy has surgery, you assume he's going to come back and everything will be fixed, but you just don't know that for certain. And he's 32 years old, which is not necessarily young, although I would probably counterbalance that with the fact that he is not someone who has to throw upper 90s in order to be successful, there is a lengthy list of veteran left-handed pitchers who are more of the crafty variety yeah. who have been successful for you know years in their 30s. For sure. And to your point, I, I just pulled um the, the last was it six years? Yeah, 28. So since he's because since he's actually a full-time established starter in the majors, was 2018 and beyond. Um he has a 102 ERA plus, which basically ERA plus is 100 is league average. So he's been Slightly better than league average over six years in ERA. His FIPs, his FIPs in the low fours. So no one's telling you to be excited about that profile, but that is a prototypical fourth starter profile, not even fifth. Like that, that's actually for most teams what your four starter is going to give you, maybe even better than that. So, um, and he might not be that guy. Maybe he's cooked. That's very much possible. It's very possible he's cooked. We have to, we have to at least acknowledge that he's coming off the nerve issue. He wasn't good this year. You can't expect on, you can't bank on him getting this from him, but there's a decent chance from the outside. And we don't know right now it's early and we're reacting in real time. But if he's just, even the guy he was last year, which was not very good. He performed like a fifth starter. Like he had his ERA was what uh, his FIP was 4.28 ERA around five is not what you want in 10 starts, but that's what a lot of fifth starters are. Like it's it's kind of what you expect from that role. And uh yeah. So not excited, but not a total throwaway. And I think if he was a free agent, he would have been signed. Like he wouldn't have been just a scrap heap guy. He would have gotten oh, a major league contract. Yes. Like, you know what I mean? hundred percent. Yes. Even if it was a bad team who I'm just, just trying to frame it appropriately for people that don't know him. Like he's yeah. not worth twelve million dollars. He wouldn't have got this much. No one's saying otherwise, but he would not have been a guy that just like attached on a minor league deal in March somewhere. Like he would have gotten a deal yes. somewhere. 
Yeah. Um, and, you know, let's hope. I think if the finger and wrist nerve issue, which is I'm sure a little scary, you start not having feeling in your limbs, that would freak me out a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, but for a guy, he he's been durable. You look at the number of starts he's made. Again, you mentioned since he became a starter, he's made at least 25 starts in all of the four full seasons before last he made 34 starts one year. He made 32 in 2022. And that was on a good Mariners team. I, I believe Seattle just missed the playoffs, or maybe they made it last year. It all it all blends together. And he had a low uh, four ZRA in that year. And even, even the COVID season, he was actually excellent. I mean, it was a short season for everybody, but he had a 3.1 yeah. ERA. And so, yeah, he, this last year was the only year in which he was not good. Like, he wasn't always great, but this is the first time in five, six years where he wasn't like, honestly, like a third starter level player, maybe, maybe four on some teams. Um, yeah. So we'll see if that guy comes back and look, it wouldn't surprise me. Would it surprise you if Alex like just kind of likes Marco Gonzalez? Like, I'm sure this is still financially related, but it would not stun me if Alex being the way he is kind of just like, Hey, Marco Gonzalez is, is better than the Mariners are treating him right now. Is that kind of makes like you're, you're kind of, you're clearly True. overpaying for the, for the privilege of having him, but it's again, part of the larger transaction. And also maybe Alex values him at 4 million and Seattle was valuing him at, him at 2 million, that kind of thing. Like it's just like a, maybe yeah. a marginal difference. Yeah. Something that came to mind is Anthopolis a couple of times this winter, even over the last month has talked about how important being available is being healthy, being yeah. a, especially as a starting pitcher, they, they need, I mean, we, again, I'm laughing because you and I, an hour and a half ago talked about the depth <laughs> in the system and How Alex wants at least 10 or 11 starters that it can pitch. There you, you go. Yes. Please go back and listen to that episode. Um, yeah. So, uh, you know, he, he is going to be in the mix. He is not terrible by any means. Um, last year seems like it was just a bit of a lost year for Gonzalez. Um, and if, if all goes well with the surgery and they're able to get him out there in time for spring training, which seems probable at this point, um, you know, again, I, I still sincerely hope they go out and add an impact starting pitcher and, and then they could figure out what to do with the rest of the rotation at that point. But um, overall, man, I mean, he is he is not useless by any, you know, any means. Agreed. Uh, in an effort to get out of here with our second podcast not going super long. We'll just mention the name of Evan White, who is the third player in this transaction. Very odd profile. Former first-round pick, former big-time prospect. Um, not quite on the level of Kelnick, but certainly a big-time prospect. He got he signed one of those extensions that are rare, but happens sometimes, where he signed a deal with the Mariners for six years before he even got to AAA. And it was a very modest deal. It's like a six-year, $25 million contract, something like that. Um, but he has not hit at all in the majors. Now, he's had a lot of injury, a lot of injury issues. But he has a 52 WRC plus in about 300 plate appearances in the major leagues. He hasn't really hit in the minors either the last couple of years. An odd profile too. Like he has a, I was reading some stuff about him previously. He has a great like defensive reputation at first base, but it's first base. Uh, you know, he's apparently a good athlete at that spot. I wonder why he was playing first base anyway. Um, but he he hasn't hit for a long time. He'll be 28 in April. He barely played this year, and he's still signed for two more years. Um, it it seems to me, and I don't, I don't want to editorialize too much. It seems to me like maybe the cash considerations are really being sent to cover part of Evan White's deal more so than Gonzalez. If that makes sense, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. It's all the same bucket. But Evan White, look, I, I have, I'd be happy to be wrong. It feels like that's a that's a pure 
take this guy on and pay him, please, because yeah. I, I can't imagine a scenario where he's helping the big league club because and I, I don't I don't mean to pile on, but he'll be 28 in April and he's not been a major league quality player at any point. So, yeah, he is. Um, I mean, sure, they'll, they'll give him a chance in spring training. Um, talented guy long ago and again has had injuries so maybe there's something there if he gets healthy but I, I i don't get the feeling that he is anything as part of this deal other than just some money that seattle wanted to get off of highly yeah highly unlikely he makes any kind of contribution in atlanta um, maybe he's in the minor leagues and serves as extreme emergency uh insurance for metals and or something like that but no i mean there there's very little here good for Evan White for getting his money before he became a, a big yeah, leader. Yeah, I mean, this is a different conversation, but, uh, you know, for all of the consternation, there's another one this week about a, a prospect signing a big deal. I forgot to the majors. Yeah. A lot of those yeah. work out, but, you know, one of the arguments for guys signing them is Evan White. Like, Evan White guaranteed himself 20-plus million dollars. And yes. if he did, if he had not signed that contract, he would have got, he would have made uh, very few dollars um, to this point. Yes. So... And that worked out well for him. It did. Good for him. I wish someone would give me that kind of money <laughs> yes. uh, with uh, no strings attached. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I I don't think White will have any real kind of role with the Braves. Um, but at the same time, we talked about the money versus prospects aspect of this deal. If taking on a few million dollars, that's not going to dramatically change anything instead of having to give up another one of the better guys in the system, then 10 times out of 10, I'd rather take on the money for a year or two than have to give up a, a prospect who has a potential future with the team. Yes, I totally agree. And one more nugget on Evan White, because this is actually pretty crazy that this happened. Scott, I don't know, but there's no way you know this. Evan White won a gold glove. What? <laughs> so <laughs> so this is a uh, interesting thing I just found. I, I'm, not, I'm not poking, I promise you I'm not poking fun at Evan White. But he was the starting first baseman for the Mariners in 2020 in the short season. Ah, it was a two-month gold glove. And he won the gold glove in 2020. And by the look of the numbers defensively, he earned it, which is what I'm saying about the reputation. He apparently is a good defender at first base. But he also, while winning a gold glove, was essentially a replacement-level player because he had a 599 OPS that season. Yeah. Um, again, a small sample size season. And then he played a little bit in 2021, but he hasn't been in the big leagues for two plus years. Um, so just the all time weird profile from like glove first, first baseman who's known for his athleticism to a gold glove winner at the major league level who has never hit. And that outside of that season, and which was a short season in COVID, he has 30 other games played in his career. Just a, hmm. the weirdest player of all time. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that is a very. I mean, baseball has a lot of unique and interesting profiles. That is um, Gold Glove tier. winner Evan White. Is that in the release? I, if I was the Braves, I would have put that in the release. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't. I didn't notice it in the release, but I. I, I hope they did put that in there. Yeah, be an um, all-timer. A great um, way to uh, share with the uh, with the with, with the uh, fan base that he's uh, someone they should know. Yeah, I do have a little bit of bad news, um, uh, but though bad news for Jared Kelnick. He wears number 10. I don't think he's going to be allowed to wear number 10 in Atlanta. So he will have to get a different jersey number. I am fairly confident he will not be uh, going to Chipper and asking to wear 10. No, that's not I, I think that's probably fair. Um, anywho, I was just looking up uh, something and I looked at a picture and there's number 10. And I thought, ah, he cannot wear that number in Atlanta. He cannot. So we'll see what his number will be, but it will not be 10. Um, 
Yeah, I you know it's got we are. I'm now actually it's now Monday where I am. Um, it's not where you are, but uh, we've been talking a lot. I had a podcast before our first podcast too. I had a two part episode of my Hawks podcast. I think I've been talking for about four hours. Um, which is not the grind. Right. Yeah, the grind um, doesn't stop, Brad. So Never. anyway, uh, that's where we are. I, I think I, I won't speak for you. I I like this deal. I, I don't think it's you know a franchise changer. Maybe, but look, I mean, there's a chance he's going to be really good. But uh, for all the reasons we said before, it's a it's a low risk, um, potentially high ceiling move. And I think Jared Kelnick is certainly a strong betting favorite to open the season in left field as a starter. So that's that's one box checked that doesn't solve all their problems if they even had major problems. But the Braves, uh, I think, are better on paper than they were an hour ago when we recorded the, the first podcast. Yeah, I, I generally agree. I, I think when the trade was announced, I didn't fully understand like the scope of it, right? I mean, there's just, as we've kind of talked about here, there's just a lot of layers to it from the money component to the um, buy low component and all of that and, and what it means for the rest of the offseason. Um, but I, I do agree. I think this is a real opportunity for the Braves to add a very talented kid, maybe not someone who has put it all together, but at age 24, there is still plenty of time and contract control as well at a low dollar rate for him to figure it out and a change of scenery going to Atlanta. We know what this organization has been able to do in terms of just turning around or improving the careers of players. And anytime you can add a supremely talented player into the mix, I'm always uh, in favor of it. We'll see what Marco Gonzalez can do. Hopefully his health is squared away. And then, you know, for what comes next in the offseason, we will see. I think we are in agreement. We would still like to see an improvement in the rotation. Um, but again, as we outlined in the, the podcast we did a few hours ago, even if Marco Gonzalez is it, sure, it, it's not exciting. No one's going to print the World Series tickets because they added Marco Gonzalez to the rotation. But it is another serviceable arm who you can put behind Strider and Freed and Morton and Elder. And uh, and then, you know, you kind of see how the year goes. So overall, an interesting deal, one that certainly kicked off the winter meetings in a big way. It's not every day that you see a player like Jared <laughs> Kelnick get moved with all of his um, – he, he's just like a high-profile guy, right? I mean, he was involved in one other very big trade with New York and Seattle a few years ago. And, um, yeah, I think at this point the Braves have earned – the benefit of the doubt with these deals. And I mean, man, if they can hit big on Kelnick, I mean, talk about adding just another weapon to this organization. Yep. That's a good synopsis. And we will uh, leave it right there on our second podcast of the day. I know we plugged it several times, but uh, it would, it would certainly actually be helpful to us if you were to at least download the previous episode, because it was in some ways a waste, <laughs> but in some ways, uh, kind of funny and we did talk about some stuff on that show that is still relevant so always worth a listen uh, scott thank you for your flexibility in doing this apologize to your wife for me that i made you do a two-pack two guys in a row um, i'm sure you had other plans this evening so my apologies to you and yours it is all good brad these emergency pods are always fun even when they are uh, deep into the night i mean we we intentionally recorded late on sunday with the hope that we would not miss anything at least on the day of now we know the history <laughs> of this podcast with monday mornings maybe we need to move the day we record to like wednesdays or something just to change yeah. it up but no it's always it's all good i appreciate you being available as always and uh should be a fun week ahead at the winter meetings 
Absolutely. So please stay tuned. We'll have more on the podcast feed from all of the crew, Sean, Stephen, Chris, etc. Please subscribe to the show anywhere you get your podcasts. Maybe even do it twice if you want to support the podcast. Five-star ratings and reviews. Read the site at batterypower.com as well. And for Scott, we'll sign off now. Thank you for listening to the show, everybody. We really do appreciate it. We'll see you all next time. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N 29.com.